Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 to 28. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man gain in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Thanks be to God. The letter to the Apostles is from Romans, chapter 12, reading at verse 9. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honour. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Thanks be to God. Now, I'm one of those people who, when they get flat-packed furniture, 
open up the box and promptly toss the instructions aside. And two hours later, when I'm staring at a pile of leftover screws and a wonky bookcase, I frantically search for the instructions and have to start all over again. What I seem to forget is that instructions are important, especially clear and precise ones. Fortunately, as Christians, we are given a set of instructions as to how to live our lives, both individually and as a faith community. Now, reading from Romans, Paul gathers up a host of references from Scripture into an exhortation into Christian living. His verses look at individual living and responsible corporate behaviour for Christians. They form a sort of code of conduct for a faith community. I'm sure I'm not the only person to have attended a church meeting where, quite frankly, it would have been really useful to have had some of these pinned up on the wall. And Paul's words provide a structure for the early church in Rome, setting out its key core values. And the early church was countercultural. The values of its foundation were not shared with contemporary society. The church was called out of the world. It was a community set apart and often at odds with the world. Its values of equality, love, mutual regard, peace and harmony were distinct from the society that the fledgling church inhabited. But no church lives in isolation from its surroundings, particularly so in our own times. The values that Paul exhorts us to are ones that we would aspire not just to see in our faith community, but also in the community around us. And the values in our passage from Romans form like a norm and guide that sustain the church. The fact that we're all called to be of the same mind. And that doesn't mean that we should have all the same thoughts and the, all the same ideas. Quite frankly, it wouldn't happen. And it actually wouldn't be desirable because variety spices and flavours the church. It's the source of its vibrancy. By being of the same mind, we are called to embrace and live to a shared set of values and goals. And the goals of the church are equally goals for the world. The words of Paul are echoed in the Be Kind hashtag on social media, the Pay It Forward initiative and the support of food banks and a whole host of good that happens in a world which is so often portrayed as uncaring. And just as we seek those values to make us channels of peace, harmony and mutual love, so too would we wish the world to seek them. That the world would join us in embracing and a serving and compassionate way of living. For that to come about, then we need to be far removed from my wonky bookcase efforts. We need to follow the instructions. And when we take up our cross and follow Jesus, it comes with an obligation to respond to that call in our living as members of the church. To live out our faith in accordance with the values of our calling and of the cross. To live a cross-shaped life as part of a cross-shaped church. Now, some of the values that Paul describes are quite easy, or hopefully so. Hating what is evil, 
rejoicing in hope and persevering in prayer should be the kind of things that we readily grasp. Others, such as mutual affection and living in harmony with one another, can sometimes prove a bit more of a challenge. But amidst Paul's verses is a call to what most of us might find as the biggest challenge of being a Christian. Exercising true forgiveness. Paul writes, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And whilst I'm sure that few, no, none of you curse, blessing those who wrong us is a hard task at times. Because when we're wronged, we feel a range of emotions, hurt, betrayal, and even anger. These are the stumbling blocks to forgiveness. These are the things we lay down when we take up the cross. Upon the cross, we are forgiven. All our sins and transgressions are wiped clean. We are assured of forgiveness in the Lord. In turn, we are called to forgive others. For how often do we pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgiveness, true forgiveness, may be hard for us to give, but it's an integral part of our faith. The values and norms of Christian living exhorted by Paul are not a buffet. They're not pick and mix. We can't choose the bits that we like or that we find easy. Faithful living is all-encompassing. And it's that all-encompassing faith lived out to a set of values and norms that encourages others to join us, to take up their own crosses and follow Jesus. If we embrace a way of living and being that genuinely cares for the faith community and the society around us, we build the true church according to the instructions given. This doesn't mean just hospitality, being nice or charity. For those are just crumbs from the table. But it means a deep-seated, genuine sense of love, equality, peace and mutual regard that invites others to take a place at the table. Just as Jesus bids us to take up his cross and join him at his table. May our faithful living be an invitation to others to follow our Lord. For to him be the glory. Amen.